Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Thank you for spending some of your week, some of your time with me to get that black and gold fix injected into your veins early in the morning, or maybe it's in the afternoon. That's fine. Whatever whatever floats your boat, or is what I used to say as a kid, whatever wets your whistle. So happy Wednesday. It's hump day, and we're a part of the Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of Fans First Sports Network. A lot of good stuff coming with FFSN coming up. Going to be talking about that at length here in the coming weeks. Pretty excited for some of this stuff. And I know, you're probably, Jeff, you say that every week. I I do, I do. But there's a lot of stuff that's been on the back burner. We're kind of getting, we're kind of moving, you know, moving and grooving. So this is exciting. I'm excited for it. I know you'll be excited too. So make sure you are on the lookout for that. Let's talk about some news, right? I mean, that's what we start off every show with, the news. I got to I got to take a time. It takes some time, not a lot of time, because I know last night on the Scobro show, Dave Schofield and his brother Rich, they spent time talking about this. But I do have to say, rest in peace to the legendary Stan Saverin. Now, the one thing that I've learned since starting this Let's Ride podcast, I think it was almost three, four years ago, was how many people have listened that are not from the Pittsburgh area. I mean, we have, I have listeners that chime in on the mailbag segment, which is coming up in the second half of the show. And, and they're, they're chiming in from Germany. I've had people from Hawaii, uh, people from Mexico. Canada has a strong presence. And there's a lot of people, it doesn't matter where they're from, even if they're in the continental United States, but they don't, are, they're not near that Pittsburgh area, you might not know who Stan Savern is. Now, for the younger fans, they probably have heard the name if they heard his voice, they probably have heard the voice. He did a lot of work for the Steelers' official website. He did a whole series last offseason, I believe, or two years ago, where he interviewed legendary players, players like Mel Blunt, Donnie Shell, Rod Woodson. I could go on. You understand who I'm talking about. But I, I have to say that you know the passing of Stan Savin, I knew he wasn't well. Anyone that watches you know, or knows kind of what's going on in the sports media realm. You knew he wasn't well. He'd been dealing with cancer for a long time, 76 years old. But when I heard about him passing, man, I he was such a fixture in my childhood. And I'm, I'll be honest, he was more in terms of the voices that you heard, that you saw on a regular basis. He was more of a fixture for me than Myron Cope. Myron Cope was kind of like that cartoon character. He was that guy that was loud and blah, blah, you know he had the yoy and double yoy it was great and i loved myron cope but myron cope was also predominantly prior to my era stan Saverin was the guy for pittsburgh sports not just for the steelers for the pirates for the penguins and when he and guy junker did their show together we watched it every night on fox sports pittsburgh i mean it was like religion and the people would call in hey stan guy love the show Love the show. And there's even been some people today, because I kind of look at some of the questions, the mailbag questions, before I go into that that section of the show. And there's a couple people that said, love the show. Well, let me just say that if, and I kind of just got chills thinking about this, but let me just say that if you listen to me the way I listen to Stan Saverin, and you say, hey, love the show, and maybe one day this turns into a call-in segment on Wednesdays, and you call in and say, hey, Jeff, love the show. 
If I could just be like a small microscopic part of that, that Stan Saverin was to all those people who watched him, listened to him, loved him and loved what he did for Pittsburgh sports. Well, then I would consider my career, if you call it that, behind the microphone, a huge success. Stan Saverin will be missed. I will miss his questions at press conferences because he asked difficult, hard-hitting questions. He didn't ask the fluff stuff. I'm going to miss him on the pregame and the postgame radio spots and on Steelers.com and SNR. Stan Saverin will be missed. And for someone that has kind of turned my career into something similar to what he did with radio and broadcasting, I've always looked up to him then. So Stan Saverin, rest in peace. You will be missed. Let's go to minicamp. Day one is a wrap. It's in the books. TJ Watt wasn't there. Oh, my gosh. He had an excused absence. Calm down, people. Here's the thing. The Steelers have had fantastic attendance. I wrote this uh, article for the website on Tuesday, and I said, man, the the term mandatory minicamp, it just doesn't even seem to fit. They've had great attendance this entire OTA's Phase 3. Yes, TJ Watt missed the first day of Phase 3. He showed up every day after that, hasn't missed one since. Larry Ogunjobi missed the first two days. You had spot misses by someone like Cam Hayward. They have been there. They have been consistent. Brandon Fihoko, or Braden Fihoko, I'm sorry, he said to Steelers.com, when you see TJ Watt and Cam Hayward out there going 100% in these, not mandatory, voluntary workouts, what makes you raise your game? And so that's why I was like, mandatory minicamp like it's it just seems like it's another practice doesn't it it just seems like nothing changes that's fantastic news on the day that you hear that stefan Diggs and what's going on up in buffalo i don't know you've got a whole lot of other players around the league saquon barkley's not going to mandatory minicamp then now hunter up in minnesota's not going to mandatory minicamp thank the lord that the steelers don't have that type of distraction they don't not at all you know, you don't have Alex Highsmith saying, I want a new deal. I'm not I'm not showing up. No, he's there. He's working. You know, you don't have the the Deontay Johnson situation from two years ago, or I think it might have been the last year, where he was contemplating, you know, a hold in where he showed up to training camp. He just didn't practice. Uh, TJ Watt did the same thing two years ago. It's one of those situations where, thankfully, the Steelers don't have those headaches this year. At least not yet. I just knocked on wood. For those that were superstitious. So, uh, so yeah, so you can check out the website. Uh, we've got a lot of good stuff there from Mike Tomlin's press conference recap with Dave Schofield where he does a player's mentioned. Uh, I always do kind of like a recap, which kind of gets all the video and, and all the tweets that are out there, all in one convenient package for you to enjoy uh, so you don't have to do your work, whatever that work may be. Okay, let's get to this first half of the podcast. I wanted to talk about impact players. People ask me all the time about impact players. I ask other people about impact players. And the one thing that I thought of today, I was like, you know what? If I'm going to be talking about impact players, I want to talk about lesser known impact players that I'm talking about, you know, in 2023. And I think it's important to note here that when I talk about impact players, I am to let's define that first, right? Let's define what is an impact player. To me, it's a player who single handedly can determine the outcome of a game. Single handedly. All right, so you are not going to see many offensive linemen on this list, if any. Why? They have to work in cohesion with one another. They have to work in concert. They have to be a part of a collective. They work together as a unit, but not single-handedly. 
Okay, so that's kind of the definition that I'm following to kind of pinpoint who are these impact players. Now, I'm thinking outside the box here. I'm going with the lesser known impact players. I'm avoiding the obvious. Kenny Pickett is going to be on this list. Why? Your quarterback in today's NFL has to be an impact player, and they have to. You have to have an impact player at the quarterback position. If you don't, you're not going to win many games. I'm not going to have someone like TJ Watt on this list. The team, as a collective, has only won one game and tied one with him out of the lineup. Yes, he's an impact player. Minka Fitzpatrick, same. So I'm not going to be saying those players. I'm talking about lesser known. So players that if they're if you're guessing or you're trying to list, you might not have them at the top of your list. But I have big plans for these players in 2023. Therefore, they are on my list of lesser known impact players. Again, they can single-handedly win the game with their performance. Let's start on offense. I did three on offense and three on defense. Let's start on offense. I went, this is in no particular order. I went with George Pickens. And the reason why I went with George Pickens is that there's been a lot of people so far that have everything from our own Jeffrey Benedict to, um, I I think I heard them talking about him on the the homies podcast over the weekend. They're kind of calling him like a one trick pony. All he does is, you know, straight routes, like nine routes, just go, go routes, go routes, go deep. That's what we say when I was a kid. Hey, what what routes you want me to run? Go deep. I don't think George Pickens is going to be that guy this year. I think he's going to be way more versatile from a route running perspective And I think that after a year with Kenny Pickett and an offseason with Kenny Pickett, he's going to be even more. They were on a great, they they had a great connection last year. It's going to be even greater this upcoming season. And so George Pickens, with his size, with his speed, with his catch radius and his unbelievable hands, he can take over a game. I honestly think that he can take over a game. One of those players that you can do, you can try whatever you want. Okay, you want to bracket coverage, the back shoulder throw, it doesn't matter. We're going to throw it, and you're not going to be able to stop it. The fade passes, if they can get on those, man, I'm telling you what, that's why I have George Pickens on this list. Some people might see him with all his limitations. I see him with all the possibility and all the potential, so he's on the list. The next is a player that a lot of people would have on their list, but maybe not very high. It's Pat Fryermuth. With the addition of Darnell Washington, the return of Zach Gentry, the versatility of Connor Hayward, I think that all spells success for Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth now becomes more of the Travis Kelsey. Can he inline block? Yes, he can inline block. Do they need him to inline block all the time? No, they shouldn't. I don't think they will. So when I look at Pat Fryermuth, I'm looking at a guy who now can really, I, I guess I feel like he can be unleashed in this offense. No longer does he have to be, okay, I got to go and block three out of four times and then hopefully run a route. That's not a you know, the slip screen. That's what I think Pat Fryermuth could be. And then also with the red zone capabilities, I think Pat Fryermuth is going to have one heck of a season. If you're a fantasy football player and you're in a league where you're drafting soon, I would get Pat Fryermuth pretty early in the draft because I think he's going to have a big year. The third one and the final one on the offensive side of the ball is Jalen Warren. Agnaji Harris to me is an obvious one. He's going to get the brunt of the carries, but Jalen Warren has something that Najee Harris really lacks, and that's the big play capability. We saw Jalen Warren take a jet sweep. We saw him catch the ball out of the backfield. We've seen him just break off big runs. He's he's a different dynamic. 
You know, it, people will call it like thunder and lightning, and I, I really hate that because it's been done so many times. They both are dynamite in their own way. They are explosive. Najee Harris is that big, bruising back. He's going to just literally bludgeon you to death three yards at a time. Jalen Warren is the spark plug. He's that guy that you give him a glimmer of a glimmer of hope, glimmer of space, boom, he's gone. He is gone. So for me, I think Jalen Warren absolutely could be an impact player in 2023. This year, if you think about it, think about the difference in mindset, difference in mindset. Last year, Jalen Warren was wondering, am I going to make this team? To now, I've got a role on this team. Huge difference. That's why he's on the list. Let's go to defense. We got three. I'm going to go with Pat Peterson. Pat Peterson because P2, because for me, Patrick Peterson is a player that is still has a ton in the tank. And if the Steelers can utilize him by moving him around a little bit, making him more dynamic and versatile in terms of positions played, this guy, who I think had five interceptions last year, he could be at that pace maybe even more. Give him the opportunity to see the play more, and I'm telling you, this guy still has a lot in the tank. And so you get a cornerback who can take the ball away and is playing in the hip pocket of the receiver. They are going to be an impact player. The next I went with the – I have one rookie on this list, only one, and it's Keanu Benton. You talk about an impact player. I'm talking about a guy that can just disrupt in the middle. I think Keanu Benton is that guy. His size, his strength, his wrestling background, his quick hands, call him what you want. Larry Ogunjobi called him the dancing bear. I don't know how many of you have seen bears in real life. They're scary as hell. So for me, give me Keanu Benton up the middle, whether he's playing defensive tackle, nose tackle. I think this is a guy, and we haven't seen this since Casey Hampton, and I'm not comparing him to that. He's, he's a different player. But Keanu Benton just bottling up the middle stuffing the run, saying you're not going to run between the guards. The interior runs are gone. That can be an impact. could be a huge impact. And the last player, again, these are lesser known here, folks. Keep that in the back of your mind. If you're wondering, like, well, where's Cam Hayward? Where's TJ? I'm not going to name them. They're obvious. I'm thinking about lesser known players, thinking outside the box. Keep that in mind. DeMarvin Leal is the last player on defense. I did an article for the website, and I used some of his quotes from OTAs where he talked about how he couldn't even list all the positions that he played. At one point, he was lined up at inside linebacker. Think about that. A rookie comes in. He's already considered a tweener. He's not really an edge. He's not really a defensive lineman. Is he going to bulk up? Is he going to slim down? What's he going to do? They've got him all over the place. He feels like he has a much better grasp of what the Steelers want him to do this season, and then that's when he can really play up to speed Really play with some confidence. I think DeMarvin Leal is definitely going to be an impact player this year. And I think that's great news for the Steelers' future of the defensive front. So let's recap these real quick before we take a break. Offensively, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, and Jalen Warren. Defensively, Pat Patrick Peterson, Keanu Benton, and DeMarvin Leal. I hope I'm right. Because if those guys are impact players, this team is well on its way. Well on its way to winning a lot of games, making the playoffs, and maybe even making some noise. All right, folks, for me, I'll be back in the second half of this podcast answering your questions from the mailbag segment. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
All right, Steeler fans, welcome back to the second half of the show. It is Wednesday. It's the second half. You know what that means. It is time for the mailbag segment. So here we go. I put out the tweet every Tuesday. You can check me out on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. I put a GIF. I use my favorite scene from Austin Powers where he's got that card stuck in the hallway and he literally keeps putting it in reverse, putting it forward, back, forward. I just think it's hysterical. So let's do this. We have a lot of questions, some late arrivals, but we have some, a lot of questions. Steelers Nation Australia. That's our boy Marky D, formerly of Steel Curtain Network. He asks, how many wins this year takes the AFC North Division? I think minimum 12. I don't think four, I don't think many teams get to 14. There's going to be some infighting, so to speak, where teams are going to hand each other losses. So I'm going to say the minimum is 12, 12 to 13. It's going to have, that's what it's going to take. That's my own personal opinion. All right, Anton Chart. He has a two-parter. A question about progression. We often talk about players' progression through years where they begin with few developed skills, and then over time we see how it improves, talking about how a particular part of their play was better this year than before, etc. Presumably, this is also true for coaches and coordinators, but that we often talk about them as if they should be finished products already. Is there anything you think Matt Canada got better at year one to two, and anything you predict he might just get better at in year three? Good question. We, you know, we do give players some time. Coaches normally do not get the same amount of leeway. I think that in, in terms of Matt Canada, I feel like he has he's been dealt a pretty tough hand if you think about it. You know, he's got an aging quarterback, doesn't really fit his system in year one. He's trying to mold this around what Ben Roethlisberger does right. Not blaming Ben, but also understanding that Matt Canada is in a tough spot. Year two, he's building something around Mitch Trubisky but also thinking that, well, we got Kenny Pickett in the fold as well. Week four, the head coach changes to the rookie. Now he's got a rookie. I think that last season, you started to see him and Kenny Pickett starting to kind of figure it out towards the second half. What they need to figure out now is how can they be more dynamic? So this is why they was kept. I think this is why the Steelers said, we're going to give him a chance. We'll give him year three. We'll see. Houston Steeler Chris, he said, Jeff, love the show. Do you know how Pat Myers' coaching style compares to the Eagles' offensive line coach? With us bringing in Weedle and a lot of former Eagles' offensive line in, it would make sense to have a coach with the same style. I can't speak on that. That's a question for Jeffrey Benedict. I'll have to ask him. He's done a lot of work with and He did talk about how rare Pat Myers' viewpoint on how to how to play the position, especially in pass protection. He's a strike first guy. So when the ball's even on the even on a pass play, you know, normally you see him all the offensive linemen backing up. He still wants him to strike and then kind of ride the player backwards. I don't know if it's similar or different, but I do know that the Philadelphia Eagles have had one hell of an offensive line the past few years. Bring those guys over. If they can gel quickly, I love it. Brian Haynes, he has several. He said, I completely missed this one today. Who would you say is the biggest addition to the team this offseason, coach or player? I still, I'm sticking with my guns. Isaac Sayamalo. Another from Brian. Do you think the NFL and fans will respect TJ Watt if he gets another defensive player of the year, or is he doomed to remain in Garrett's shadow forever? I don't know what TJ Watt has to do. You can definitely tell that because last year he was injured, missed a lot of time. It's a recency bias. Everyone's thinking Nick Bosa is the greatest. TJ Watt comes back and, and is TJ Watt. I think that'll take care of itself. Another one from Brian. In your opinion, 
Do the Steelers have the bodies to pull the center like they used to with Pouncey? He used to devastate opponents with his blocks, but it seems like the Steelers haven't pulled a lot or at all since he and DeCastro left, or maybe I've missed it. No, Mason Cole's not that guy. He's not that center that can get out and around. With He's just not that athletic. But they do have James Daniels is athletic. I think Isaac Sayamalo can pull. They'll have to figure it away, but they know they don't pull as much as they used to. You're not you're not missing it. They're just not doing it. Also from Brian, in your opinion, is there a better defensive trio than Cam, TJ, and Minka? I'd have to think about that one, to be honest. I'd have to think about if there's, you know, you think about maybe someone like, you know, I think about Dallas. Got a good pass rushing group there. You think about other teams. I'll have to think about that, Brian. I'll let, get back to you. Okay, Brian asked two more. We win the division. We get to the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. No injuries, but playing at Arrowhead. Who wins to advance to the Super Bowl? That's tough for me to say. I want to see how the year goes. I want to see how the Chiefs look. I want to see how the Steelers looks before I ever make that prediction, but I'll go with the Steelers. Why? Because I can. And lastly, not sure if you should do this or the Scobros for a show, but position by position, who's better, this year's defense or 2005? I may do a whole show on that during the dead time, so we'll keep that in the back hopper there. Let's go to Heath Davis. He also asked several questions. He said, El Jefe, do you think having Connor Hayward play fullback makes the Steelers' backfield more or less dynamic? Could you see a situation where they keep him and Potabom? I don't see them keeping both. I also don't see them using Connor Hayward a lot as a fullback, like a genuine, honest-to-goodness fullback. They didn't use Derek Watt there a lot, so if they only use him for a few plays, I'm fine with it. I just don't see them keeping both. Also, he says, you have two types of wide receivers in the league, finesse, guys, and great technical route runners, and have solid fundamentals, and the ones that excel in one facet and can out-athlete defensive backs. Can you go through the current wide receivers and put them into their category? So Deontay Johnson would be the first guy, the first type that you just explained. Finesse. Good tech, good technician, solid fundamentals. You have someone like George Pickens is more of the latter. He might have more than one facet this year, especially after what I said in the first half of the show, but he's just going to out-athlete defensive backs because of his size, his range, his catch radius, all that good stuff. So those two are there. Calvin Austin, I, I don't honestly don't know. I don't know if Calvin Austin's a great route runner. I don't know if Anthony Miller, I think he's more of the first than the second type. You look at uh, Hakeem Butler's more of the second type in terms of like the George Pickens mold. Miles Boykin's kind of a mixture. He said, you wake up, it's February 5th, 2011, the day before the Steelers play the Papers, he, the Packers, in Super Bowl 45. What advice do you give the coaches and players before the game? Well, I'm going to talk to David Johnson and say, David Johnson, in the waning minutes of the, of the, the second half, you're going to, don't miss your block, okay? You're going to have to block Clay Matthews, don't miss the block. And I'm going to go to Rashard Mendenhall and say, listen, Mendy, Mendy, pay attention. Three points of contact, two hands on the football even, don't freaking fumble. That's what I would say. And I'd tell Doug Ligurski not to suck it up at times. Heath also shared a video. He got he finally benched 315 for the first time. He said, I'm telling everyone that's all. Congratulations, Heath, man, that's awesome. Uh, you know, for me, 
for as someone that doesn't really max out too much anymore, the most I ever got up to was 275 twice. And I was so very, I was very proud of that. I only weigh like 170 pounds. So, yeah, good for you, Heath, man. Keep it up. Keep grinding. Keep lifting. Good stuff. Eric Askew says, would you consider Patrick Peterson the ultimate player, coach, veteran presence a young player would want in the locker room? Absolutely I would. You listen to him on his podcast with Brian McVad, which they just had Troy Polamalu on. Great episode. Go check it out. But Patrick Peterson is also just, he just seems like he's that guy that's been through that. He's seen it all, especially on the defensive side. So keep that in the back of your, I, I think it's great. I think it's a great addition. And then Eric also said, I snapped the, he- the heads off of three different drivers at the driving range the other day. Any tips on fixing that? So I don't have to keep buying new ones. Well, Eric, if you're snapping heads off of drivers at the driving range, are you coming down on the mats or something really hard like that shouldn't happen uh, I've, I've been golfing my whole life and i've never snapped a head off a driver yes i knocked on wood i'm gonna be golfing this weekend don't want to think about that but still yeah you should not be breaking the heads off your drivers if, if you're picking the ball off the tee when you're at the people often forget this you're the way you swing the golf club when you're hitting the hitting of the driver or the longer woods it should be different than hitting an iron especially off the turf so you want to pretend or imagine, picture in your mind, when you swing, you're hitting the ball on the upslope and you're picking the ball off the tee, okay? And you want that tee to just fly. You don't want to take a divot or anything like that. Hit me up with a DM if you need more specifics. Shouldn't be breaking drivers. <laughs> M. Dibs asked, th- asked four questions. If you could only use one club and a putter for 18 holes, what club are you bringing? This is a tough question, and I'm honestly thinking, thought about this. I'm actually going to go... If I, if I have to have a putter, because if I, if I didn't have to have a putter, I wouldn't take a putter. If I didn't have to have a putter, I would just take a, my 56. I can putt with my 56 and, and blade the ball, and I'll be, I'll be fine. I can putt well with that. But if I have to bring a putter, I'm probably going to take my 7-iron because I can hood a 7-iron and hit it pretty freaking far. Uh, and I can still manage to take some off of it if, let's say, it's 130-yard par 3. I can, three, you know, half swing a seven iron and still work with it. So I'll, I'll choose my seven iron. feel like tin cup talking about how I've, I hit the seven, like daily hits the three. Okay. He also M dibs says if BTS, he had a baseball team, who's playing what position. All right. So baseball team, you know, I was a catcher in high school all throughout my whole baseball career. So I'll take the position of uh catcher in terms of pitcher. Let's go with, um, I'll go, I'll go Jeremy Betts. I have a feeling Jeremy Betts might be able to, to be a pitcher center fielder. Let's go with, uh, you know, KT Smith was a safety in college. So I bet he's got that awareness, you know, the field awareness can kind of probably get a good break on the ball. I'll go with KT Smith out in the center. Let's go with Dave Schofield at first base. Let's go with Brian Davis in right field. Yeah, that's right, Brian. I put you out in right field. Uh, we'll put Jeffrey Benedict out at left. The hot corner, we'll put Andrew Wilbar third. Shortstop's got to be an athletic guy. Uh, I'm trying to think who would that be. We'll put Big G over there. And then second base, let's put uh, let's put Shannon White out at second. We'll see how that goes. There you go, folks. There's my starting lineup. Here we go. Tony Larrick. He says, predictions for your U.S. Open pick and expectations for the Steelers' passing game. What do you consider successful? So U.S. Open is coming up this weekend. It is always the same weekend as Father's Day. I'm going to go with the California kid. And when I say the California kid, I'm talking about Max Homa. I've got Max Homa. I've got Max Homa because I think that he is – he plays well in that state. I mean, that's where he's from. Where they're playing, he's set – 
don't know if he said personal records. Of course, he, the dude, the dude's played well there. I'll go with Max Homa to win his first major. As for the Steelers' passing game, I consider successful. I want to see explosive plays. Yes, I would love to see Kenny Pickett's completion percentage over 70%. I'd love to see, you know, touchdown interception ratio to be way more of the touchdowns than the interceptions. But I want to see explosive plays. I will reference everyone to the website. KT Smith did a fantastic film room on this, an article that ran Tuesday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. Go back and check it out. That is what this team needs. Doc M asked a great question. He said, what is your five-year plan for the Steel Curtain Network? What goals and milestones do you have in place? How are you working on improving? Okay, that's a great question. So the five-year plan for the Steel Curtain Network is to enhance the Steel Curtain Network. And some of the the news that I talked about at the very beginning of the show and stuff to look out for, that'll be a part of that. As for goals and milestones, I don't really have anything. Like uh, some people might say, wow, you know, uh, goals and milestones, like you want to be in the press box. Like I don't need to be in the press box. I really don't. I've covered this team exclusively from afar for so long. I've gotten so used to it. We do better coverage than people that are in the press box. So that's not it. I just want to continue to bring a level of legitimacy to the network to continue to grow and expand, not so much in the quantity of of podcasts. I don't think we are ever going to add more. If anything, we'll take away. But I just think that we as podcasters here at the Steel Curtain Network uh, and eventually writers can give you the best original content around. That's the goal. That's where we're headed. And last question from Eric Miller. Hey, Jeff, I hope I'm not too late. You're not. Seeing as it's the slow season, I have a non-football question. What's a piece of advice you were given in life that you look back on and use from time to time? So there's a lot of advice that I've been given, but there's one thing, and I remember my mom, you know, she she would talk to me a lot about this type of stuff, but I, I had this, uh, she cut it out of a, ma- I think it was a newspaper or a magazine. I actually had it on my mirror as a kid. And it's all about how, it's all about reputation, and uh, I made some really stupid decisions when I was like an adolescent in terms of who I was hanging out with. Not that I was doing crazy stuff, but just really it's not good decisions in terms of who I was choosing to spend my time with. And the quote was, and I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. It was, it can take five years to build a reputation and it can take five seconds to ruin it. And that has stuck with me. And so I've actually shared this with my students, with my players when I was coaching, with my own children as they get older. And you think about that, it's 100% true. Five years to build something, to build a reputation, it could take five seconds to just ruin it. So you got to be careful. Doesn't mean you got to, you know, you can't play scared in terms of this game of life. But yeah, that, that's, that's one piece of advice I've always kept with me. But I've got plenty of those up in the old hopper that is my brain. All right, so that does it. That was a great show. I thank you all for listening and taking the time to spend some time with me on this Wednesday. I will be back on Friday. Hopefully, Jeremy Jerome Betts will be joining me for the All Bets Are Off segment. We'll be talking about OT, I'm sorry, minicamp, mandatory minicamp, getting you ready for the lull. That is that midway through June till the end of July. We're not going anywhere, by the way, so make sure you stay tuned to Steel Curtain Network. Make sure you stay tuned to Fans for Sports Network. In the meantime, you know how we finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your week. I will see you on Friday. My